0: Good morning. It's uh, 6 and uh, 57 minutes in uh, in Edinburgh, in Glasgow. <coughs> Pardon. Um, I'm now uh, recovering after five hard working days in hospitality here. So, um, I'll... Uh, go through another story from the moth all these wonders 50 new true stories by the way guardian said it's a brilliant and quietly addictive and i can confirm yeah it is i didn't have my coffee yet i'll have it after and probably i'll do another uh, recording after Having my coffee as well because I need to go to the shop and buy it, and it opens at seven o'clock. So I opted out to to make a recording first. So I'm quite confused. Let me uh, find a story in the book. Uh, By the way, if you if you can hear the music on the background, so that is. Uh, a Russian uh, radio station online. It's Relax um, FM. Dot Very nice music. Oh, by the way, it's a station made by three chefs, three Russian chefs, and it's an amazing radio station. Relax FM. So today's uh, story is called uh, The Girl from Beckenham. The Girl from Beckenham by Susie Ronson. Who is Susie Ronson? We'll see that this time, we'll see that after the reading. Well, well, well. Oh, it's something concerning World War Two. So, let's start. Let's start the story. Mm. I was born a, a few years after World War II and lived with my parents in a nice house in a suburb southeast of London, Bromley, in Kent. My uh, parents got married after the war simply because that's what everybody did. The government gave a generous allowance for children. We used to get free milk and get lunches and great lunches at school. Both my parents worked. My father was a long distance lorry driver delivering meat and my mother was an assistant at a dress Shopping back I don't think my parents expected too much from me. I think they thought I would, um, you know, leave school, grow up, and get a job, possibly get married, and live round the corner. I'll probably make the music a bit lower because I have the impression it's over sounding. Oh, it's too too low now. Okay, I'll try to. Okay, sorry guys, boys and girls. Probably this. You know. Well. <clears throat> So I don't think my parents expected too much from me. I think they thought I would, you know, leave school, grow up, get a job, possibly get married and live round the corner. Well, uh, the swinging sixties in London changed all of that. It was a great time to be a teenager in London. We had the best music, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. We had the best fashion. The miniskirt. We had a pill. The model of the day was Twiggy. She was a tall, slim thing with a flat chest and flat hair. I was challenged. I mean, I was completely out of style. I had this um, thick, frizzy hair. I couldn't do anything with and. Even thicker glosses and waist and hips. I wasn't good at school. I didn't like school. And by the time I was 15, I'd had enough. So I left school and enrolled in the Evelyn Page at College of Hair and Beauty in Bromley. I wouldn't say that hairdressing was my dream job, but with my education it was my best option and as it turns as it turns out I was quite good at it. So at the end of my course I was transferred to the flagship salon Evelyn Paget's in Beckenham it was here i met mrs jones mrs jones was my quarter to three shampoo and sat on a Thursday afternoon once in a while she'd have a trim, and every now and again a chocolate kiss rinse as i'm doing her hair she would talk to me about her son david she would say he was such an autistic child and He's a singer in a band. And she was so proud of him, you know. I would nod and smile and listen as you do. And it wasn't until she mentioned Space Oddity that my ears kind of prickled, pricked out. Oh, I said, Space Oddity? She said, Yes. I said, Well, I've heard that song on the radio. It was a hit. I said, Are we talking about David Bowie? Yes, she said. I'm his mom. Well, I was surprised about that. There was a buzz about David in Beckenham. He played the local pop to the Three Tons Albert folk music, but he'd had the hit Space Oddity. It had been a while ago. So, I thought he might have been a one-hit wonder. The first time I actually saw David, he's walking down Beckham High Street in a dress and he's with this girl who had these skinny black pants on. I met the girl, Mrs. Jones brought her into the salon. Uh, It turned out it was Angie, David's wife. Well, I liked her immediately. She was so cool and confident and she looked so great. She certainly didn't shop in Buckingham. She talked to me a little bit about her life. She delights for David's shows and they would hang out all night in London at the clubs and just have the best time. It all sounded so glamorous. The next time I saw her, she was coming in for an appointment. It was Christmas week. Well, every self-respecting salon is full Christmas week. I took her to one side and said, I can't do your hair here, but here's my telephone number. Give me a call. I'll come to your house. Off I went to Haddon Hall. It was about a a mile out of town. One of those huge mansions. It was divided into flats. David and Angie had the middle floor. It wasn't the sheer size of the place that was overwhelming. It was the way it was decorated. A midnight blue carpet, midnight blue walls and a silver ceiling. There wasn't much furniture. A coach, a couple of chairs, a long, low coffee table, Tons of album covers all over the place and a guitar in the corner. David and Angie were sitting in the middle of a bay window discussing the merits of cutting his hair short. He had this long blonde wavy hair at the time. They asked me my opinion. I said, well, no one's got short hair because nobody did. You'd be the first. He stood up, and walked over, and showed me this photograph in a magazine. It was a Fakonsai Yamamoto model with short red sparky hair. He said to me, can you do that? As I'm saying yes, I'm thinking to myself, that's a little weird. It's a woman's hairstyle. Am I going to actually do this? Inside where I'm excited, this is a chance to be very creative. Because rock thin, white skin, uh, a long neck, a great face. If I could pull it off, it would I look fantastic. It would look fantastic. Well, it took me about half an hour to cut. And when I finished, his hair didn't stand up. It kind of flopped. I looked at David and he's panicking and I'm not feeling too broad. And I said to him, listen, David. The second we tint your hair, the color mm, will change the texture and it will stand up. I pray I was right. I found the color Schwarzkopf Red Hot Red with 30-volume peroxide to give it a bit of lift. There was no product in those days. Nothing to help me make it stand up. So I used gold. God was a noted dandruff treatment that I used to use on the old girls at the salon. It set her like stone. Second David saw himself in the mirror with that short red spiky hair all does was disappeared Angie and I looked at him in oh, He looked so good. A huge wave of relief washed over me. I'd done it. You know, I'd done it. I hadn't known it was going to work until I felt that texture changing in my hands as I was drawing it and it stood up. He looked amazing. I started gathering more things together to leave and Angel said, Oh, how much do I owe you? I think I said, Two pounds, please. I left. And a week or so later, Angel called me and said, you know, the band are playing in London. Why don't you come and see them? I said, well, I'd love to. It was at a college, so I went there and I'm still not quite sure what to expect, you know. I walked in. And the place is sold out, it's completely full and I stood in the audience and the lights went down and some music came on and it was a real oh my god moment for me. When the band came on the stage, David was in full makeup, his red hair blazing in the lights. He'd turned himself into Ziggy Stardust. The band were all in costumes that looked like a certain material, flat pastel velvet tucked into a laser boots. They looked incredible and when they played, the place rocked, it was so good, so unbelievably good. I went home thinking to myself, oh my god, that wasn't folk music. I didn't know what to expect, but it wasn't that. Well, Angie called the next day and said, did you like it? And will you come up to Hedon Hall again? And off I went. I met Freddy Buretti. Freddy Buretti was a friend of David and helped design the costumes. He was so fabulous. He and lisped and it was just gorgeous. I was fascinated with Freddy. I'd never met a gay man before. Sometime during that evening, David leaned over and kissed Freddy full on lips. I didn't know which way to look, you know. I looked at Angie and she's laughing and suddenly I felt completely out of my depth. I wasn't like these people. I didn't know who Nietzsche was. I'd never heard of Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground or Andy Warhol. I'd certainly never seen two guys kissing before. I was from Beckenham. Later that evening, Angie takes me to one side and she says, You know, David and I have been speaking and would like you to come and work for us full time. Come on the road. Go up to the mainman offices and sort out your wages and come and work with us. Off I went to the mainman offices, hot in hand. I met David's manager, Tony DeFrois, and by the end of the afternoon, I'd got the job. It's not till I'm driving home. I'm realizing my life's going to really change. I'm going on the road with a rock and roll band. I was so excited. I went down to Evelyn Page's the next day to give in my notice to my boss, and he looked at me and said, "Mm, You know, Susan, you should think twice before giving up a well paying secure job. I said, yeah, I have. Of course, after that, my confidence knew no bounds. I took the drama and turned him into a blonde ziggy and chopped Trevor's hair off and made it spiky, spiky on top with silver side bones. The only holder was Mick Ronson, the guitar player. He didn't want to look like David. I started doing shows with them. We did Top of the Pops David played Stallman and when well, he draped his arm around Mick Ronson during the chorus, I think it shook Britain to its core. Cool. Nobody did stuff like that in those days. They just didn't. It certainly shook my parents. David was always thinking of the next thing to do he was always very ambitious and he wanted to rock and roll theater so we hired a theater in london uh, in uh, finsbury park and he built a set scaffolding and dry ice and lights and it was amazing we were all working 18 hours a day to do this show together he was saying talk talk to anybody don't tell to don't tell anybody what it's about No recording equipment no cameras of course the more you make of these things the more interesting it becomes and you open to a fanfare of press all the celebs came kids were coming with ziggy haircuts at the point and it was a great show i think the only person that didn't like it was elton john he walked out halfway through saying This isn't rock and roll but I was rock and roll because we were then running up and down England in buses and shows were being added the gigs were getting bigger and everything was selling out and I was with David and the boys all the time during this period doing everybody's hair looking at after the costumes, during the dry cleaning, making sure everything was right. There were many costume changes, so David would come to the side of the wings, and I would be sitting there with a glass of red wine, a Gitan cigarette, and while Mick is wailing ten feet from me, I'm changing David's clothes. We got quite good at it. We went to America and stayed in a plaza in New York. It was an amazing hotel. We had a great advanced team. Sherry Vanilla, who's a famous groupie, and Lee Black Childers, who Childers, was a was a Warhol actor. They would go to the next town, go to the gay clubs and create fervor. It was really a good idea because it got the kids to the gigs. I have some water. Mm -hmm. I'm at Iggy Pop in California. We stayed at the Beverly Hills Hotel. And Iggy wanted me to dye his hair blue and I obliged. I said to him, you know, you might want to wash that a couple of times before going back on a pool. Of course, he paid me no mind. And by the end of the afternoon, there was a blue streak from one end to the other of the Beverly Hills Hotel pool. I think he was asked to leave after that. (laughs) We went to Japan, and now I met Kansai Yamamoto, and I picked up some more ones for costumes for David. It was exciting suddenly, I was cool. The girl with the thick hair and thick glasses it was in a world where everybody wanted to be. I went back to Beckham and I walked up and down the high street, looked through Evelyn Paget's windows. My God, it looked so small. I was so glad I wasn't there. Nothing had changed in Beckenham, nothing had changed at home, but I was so changed. I was a million miles from here. The last show that David ever did a uh, Ziggy Stardust was a Hammersmith Audio in July 1973, and he just stood on the front of the stage and said, This is the last show we're ever going to do. Then he played Rock and Roll Suicide. I was sad to say goodbye to Ziggy. I think we were all sad to say goodbye to Ziggy. Uh, but I didn't go home. I went to Italy and fell in love with a guitar player and moved to London with him. I'm so grateful for my luck. I'm grateful I met Mrs. Jones and Angie, and grateful I gave Angie that telephone number. Otherwise, somebody else might have been living my life. Thrilled that I met and married the late great Mick Ronson and had a lovely daughter with him. But of course, I'm so grateful to David. He took a chance on me, changed my life completely. My hair got on British currency now. The Brixton 10 pound note. Now, who would have thought I could have done that? Wow. Wow story is finished and I have my skin like oh my goodness Um to know that expression when you feel some very powerful emotions and your skin uh, is getting like the um, uh, chicken skin I don't know if that's uh, the expression in English I need to look through and find it out but i have a chicken skin now after this story Uh, so who is susie ronson from so what it's written here in this book Uh, susie ronson has worked as a household manager and music producer and consultant for a number of well-held individuals in new york city the hamptons florida and the british virgin islands She's a singer, songwriter, who performs for friends and a horse enthusiast. Currently, she lives in the West Village of New York City, while her daughter and the rest of her family live in London. She swears she'll go back one day. This story was told on April 11, 2016 at the Union Chapel, London. The theme of the evening was Coming Home, director Meg Bowles. Thank you very much for um, offering some of your time and listening to my um, recordings. Um, Yeah, thank you a lot. And see you very soon.